Um, I'm going to be continuing the series that we've been doing on Ephesians, which as we've heard before, we're going to continue it throughout the year. And I want to continue and build on the fact that before we actually go out and do, um, we need to be... We need to be secure in the love of God. And the Ephesians is, is divided into two parts, as we said last week. One is to find out who God is and who we are in him. And the other part is what we're meant to do and how we relate to others in the world and what God has in store for us through our gifts and our talents. But I wanted to encourage you last week that don't jump ahead. Remember that we need to be and then we can do. The two are built in a certain way, and God wants to encourage us. We looked last week at the way up is the way down. Um, And I just want to... um, I was just thinking of an example of how I could sum up a little bit of last week. Um, Part of my job is to work out topics that GPs might want to attend to learn more about um, on a monthly session. Uh, We chose a topic recently on insomnia, that horrible subject of not being able to get to sleep. Now, if I asked you to put your hands up, I'm sure there'd be plenty of people who could relate to the term of not being able to go to sleep. In fact, as we get older, we need less sleep, and that's a bit of a problem because we often think we need you know, the full eight hours, but in reality, we need less. That's true, isn't it, Trev? Yes. Um, and so we put on a topic and got a sleep specialist in to talk on what it means to actually resolve and help patients with insomnia. And the house was absolutely full because the GPs deal with us all the time and they wanted to know more about it. And I was actually coordinating the session and I, I kicked myself because after listening to this amazing presentation, I realised that in an essence, insomnia is a lack of confidence in sleep. We lose the ability and the confidence to, as we get closer to going to bedtime, that we're just going to fall off to sleep, that that's just part of life, there's a pattern. And we've, we, we lose our confidence, so as we get closer to that time, to going to sleep, we get less and more and more anxious, and we think, oh, it's just going to be another night like last night. Now, I unfortunately have a very vivid example of this. Now, most of you remember a number of years ago when Peter um, had a serious accident, which was quite life-threatening. So a major event had happened in Peter's life, and then further down the line, we were trying to have a, a, a... Somebody gifted us with a trip overseas to actually Paris, would you believe, the city of love. And... Tim and I uh, accompanied Peter on this expedition, but Peter had suddenly gone from being able to sleep into a dreadful environment where he just couldn't get to sleep at night. And I remember this time in Paris where Tim and I looked at each other and we said, it's time for drugs. It's time for drugs. We had some sleeping tablets and we gave it to Pete, and in this this wasn't particularly expensive part of Paris. Here, Tim and I are in this room. We give it to him. We look at a clock. We time it, and sure, he's getting groggy. And so we, we guide him to the bed and just lie him down, thinking this is going to work, or at least we're going to get Pete to sleep. As soon as he hit the pillow, five minutes or less, and he was awake again. So I have this horrible exp- experience of remembering how vivid um, and how troublesome um, insomnia can be. Just hold that thought for a while. We've been looking last week and continuing to look at two verses. Ephesians 2 verse 10, which says, We're God's own handiwork, his workmanship, created in Christ, so that we'll go out there and do good works, which he's planned ahead of time. 
and Ephesians 3 verse 20, which says, Now unto him who is able to do even greater and bigger and beyond our prayers, our desires, our thoughts, our hopes, or our dreams. Last week, and we're going to continue this week, we're looking at two questions. What causes some of us to fulfill our God-given potential, in Ephesians 2 verse 10, and for others of us to merely dance around the edges, never truly entering into what God has in mind? What stops the dreamers amongst us from dreaming? The hopers to stop hoping, the visionaries to no longer have dreams, when God promises a life of adventure. There are paradoxes in the New Testament, and one of them we looked at last week, which is the way up is the way down. If we want to get hold of some of those verses and answer some of those questions, one of the first places to go and ask ourselves is, where are my roots? Where have I put my roots? And are they deep into the love of God? Are they deep into the love of God? Ephesians three sixteen to 19, we looked at where, God, where Jesus, we're encouraged to put our roots deep into the love of God and be founded securely on love. That we will be able to explore the breadth, the depths, the lengths, and the height of God's love for us personally in our lives. We need to be before we do. Another um, paradox is that to find ourselves, we've got to lose ourselves. So the way up is the way down, and another paradox is to find ourselves, and I alluded to it last week, and we're going to continue that. To find ourselves, we must lose ourselves in something bigger than ourselves. Just in summary, the love of God uh, is really important because it's fundamental and an unchanging characteristic of God. And I said to you last week that I guarantee the reason we need to be rooted and grounded in the love of God because I know that the circumstances of your life and mine will challenge that very principle. There will be things that we're faced in life, and sometimes it's a big event like Peter's accident that suddenly led him, in, that, that caused a, a form of lack of ability to sleep. Sometimes it's a big event that causes us to the challenges that, that come in our lives that, that somehow we need to reconnect with the love of God and be able to look into the face of God and say, God, you are a God of love despite the circumstances I'm staring at right now. And I said last week that sometimes the challenge comes in a big event and other times, and I think it's just as insidious. In fact, maybe even worse, it, that, that our confidence in God and his love seeps and leaks out of our lives slowly over a period of time. Can I ask each one of us today, flick back 20 years in your life. I just want to ask you, are you do, do you remember a time, well, some of you can't do that, okay? That's okay. <laughs> You're just a twinkle in your parents' eyes at that stage, okay? But if, for many of us, we can flick back to a time where we were just passionate about what God had in mind for us. We were, that Ephesians 2 verse 10, what have you got for me? What's my part to play? What have you predestined and planned that I should do for you, God? 
and then greater and beyond and further than even those dreams and hopes. Things were popping into our hearts and minds and we're saying, God, is that true? Could you really mean that that's what you want me to do with my life? It's so important to be rooted and grounded in the love of God, to be deeply connected with who he is because life itself will challenge us and challenge that principle. We looked last week at the fact that we need to, in order to answer those questions, we need to build below ground zero and put our roots deep into the love of God. And we need to get lost in a bigger picture, bigger and greater than just everything being about me. Now, the answer medically to insomnia, would you like to know what that is? And it's not actually a pill in the pocket. It's not something that I could prescribe for you and say, here we are, take it. Now, I know we do do that. And at the moment, we're trying to, right through the Hutt Valley, readdress the fact that when you go to the doctor and say you can't sleep, the first thing they do is write you a script for Zopiclone. We're trying to address that because actually something more radical and more fundamental has actually gone on in your processes of your brain, and we want to reprogram that. It's called sleep hygiene. And it starts to teach you that as you start to get to going to bed, one of the things you must do is turn off your television. The other thing, don't look at your computer. Because something in our brain comes alive when we see these screens in front of us. And you need to retrain yourself. And I can give you some advice at another time if you want to know how to sleep better. But you, you need to retrain yourself and think about the things that, that you were naturally designed to do as you start to go to bed, which is a completely different process to just switching off the television or the computer and going off to bed. We have to shift our focus... We have to re-establish some patterns that we've lost. And it's quite systematic in its approach, and it's quite structured. And in a similar way, when we've lost confidence in the love of God in our lives, we need to go back to some basic principles. We need to put our hearts and our minds into the word of God and go deeper and deeper into the roots of the love of God. And if we're in that situation where, in a sense, we've got spiritual insomnia, instead we've lost confidence, not in sleep, but in the fact that God is a loving God no matter what you're facing in life, no matter what challenges you have, whether they're emotional, whether they're physical. I don't really care. All I know is that for each of us, going deeper into who God is and discovering it for ourselves, we will gain again the confidence that we've lost in the love of God. I'm going to be a little outrageous here, and maybe I'm off tangent. I don't know. I hope not, and I don't think God has been working in my heart as well as a number of other people who have come to me and said they've got similar things on their heart for us as a people, a unique gathering of people who come to Christian Fellowship in Upper Hutt. It would seem that God wants us to reflect, and for those who have lost their confidence in a loving God, to be encouraged to look back into his face again. Whatever you are facing today, 
And I know many of you are facing quite challenging things. I want to encourage you. Take heart. Take courage. You've got the wrong glasses on at the moment. Take them off and steer back into the heart of God and find for yourself in your circumstances that he is a rock and an anchor that will hold you through whatever storm you're going through. You see, when, t- when, Andre, Andre, when Peter was suffering from insomnia in Paris, this was, for heaven's sake, it was the city of love, and he was a husband who, who just was just all wired, and we couldn't get him to sleep. And I can assure you that Tim and I, it affected our lives. It affected our visit to Paris. I want to say that when you've lost your confidence in God, when you can't stare him in the face and say, God, you are a loving God, I trust your character to the nth degree, even though my circumstances are challenging it, I, can, I know that the lives of those people around you are also impacted by how you are feeling and how you're reacting and how you're living your life. And I encourage you to sort these issues out and seek God's face. Don't be handicapped by a string of things in your life that you've misinterpreted and come to the conclusion that you can no longer read verses like Ephesians 2 verse 10 and get excited about it, that God has predestined and planned things unique just for you, not for you. Your unique gifting and talents are going to achieve something else. And together, we all need to function to see what God has planned for us as a community of people. I just want to encourage you to do something about these things and not take them lightly. Ephesians is a book that was written, as we mentioned last week, from a prison cell. Letters from the inside. Currently, I think, I don't know if anybody's actually gone along, but um, is it Bic Runga, who's recently, along with some of her other singers, have been going into prisons, and their title is Songs from the Inside. Well, Paul wrote Letters from the Inside. Oh, Ah, okay, I'm just being corrected who it is. It's Anika Moa, okay? And, and I've seen it a number of times where she's talked about going into the prison and songs from the inside. So we're moving on to another subject. It's also linked to what we've been talking about, but letters from the inside. Now, the Apostle Paul lived for something much larger than himself, greater than his own comfort and security. He lived a life centered on something He got lost in the bigger story. Jesus' radical intervention to place the whole of humanity, not just himself, back into a relationship with God. I've been studying Paul's life recently, and I just can't, I'm just learning so much from it. It's always fascinated me. But whether Paul was flogged to an inch of his life, which he was, he went into one city, and the response from the city, and he believed God was calling him to this city. It wasn't just he'd eaten too much cheese and just put a, a, a pin in a map and said, I'm going there. He knew that God was calling him to a certain place at a certain time, and the welcome he got was to be flogged to an inch of his death. It was only for the sake of the believers in that city that they ministered life, and he came back and he was brought back to health. 
Other times he went into a city and he was welcomed with open arms. And Paul saw both responses in the same light. He didn't get challenged whether the circumstances were very adverse or whether they were just wonderful. Whether his life was charmed or challenged, it made no difference to Paul. And I want to get inside his head today and find out why. He knew his God and he was secure in his love. And the point I want to make today is he, as I've said, he got lost in a story much bigger than his own life. He had a dramatic conversion, a wonderful conversion, um, when he met Jesus on that road to Damascus. But his fruitfulness in his life was not determined by the absence of pain or challenge or captivity within a cell, four cells of a wall, but he transformed even his prisons into productivity. Salvation, here's a quote, salvation is not merely deliverance from sin. We've been, as we've been worshipping, we've been thinking, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And I totally agree, it's to deliver us from the guilt of sin. But salvation is not merely to deliverance from sin, nor experience of personal holiness. The salvation of God is deliverance out of myself, entirely into union with him. Living for something much bigger than ourselves. The New Testament church lived their lives relatively differently to the way we do today. And I believe as a modern Western church, there's a lot of emphasis on me, my gifts, who I am, where do I fit, all this sort of stuff. To the New Testament church, the concept of faith as an individual little thing that I live without being engaged with the rest of you was just totally foreign to them. Now, I know that they had to make their decision to be a follower of Jesus, but in reality, after that, in many ways, their faith was worked out in their community. And I love the concept that when my faith is struggling... And when it's a little low and it's being challenged, that your faith can be the very thing that leads me on. And I want to encourage us today to get lost in a bigger story than just ourselves because my faith is dependent on yours and your faith is dependent on mine if we're going to reach the world around us with the love of God. In fact... A lot of that stuff comes from the Greek rather than Hebrew roots, where it is and it was. Greek philosophy is all about me, actually. But Hebrew philosophy, from which we've come out of, was much more community-based. And as we move on as a community, as CFUH moves into a new phase and a new dimension, as we move on, I want to encourage you that each of us needs to be strong in our faith so we can support the faith of one another and as a community we can grow. Reading between the lines without stretching the text, in letters from the inside, when Paul was stuck in his prisons, when loneliness was his only companion, Paul found three things. And this is really my message today. He found comfort of God in the circumstances he was in. 
We talked last week, and I want to, for those of you who missed it, the most Acts 23 verse 11, um, Paul was used to many prison cells. Some of them were more like house arrests, and others of them were absolutely dank, dark, dark, miserable prisons. Now, I'm not watching behind me because I trust my IT people, but I want to show you this is actually meant to be one of the prison cells, literally, that Paul was in. Not a pretty place, not a great place to be. Now, when Paul was in one of these prisons, he found the comfort of God in the midst of some very difficult circumstances. When his life was threatened and 40 zealous Jews decided that they would not eat another morsel of food until they saw him dead. And Paul, as much as he is one of my heroes, he also was human. And as I said, reading between the lines without stretching the text, I would like to say that at this moment in Paul's life, he was possibly terrified. He possibly thought that his life was within an inch of death. And the most amazing thing, in the middle of his prison, he found the comfort of God. And in this circumstances, Acts 23 verse 11, it says, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. He had a personal visitation of Jesus. I want to encourage us, if we're in a prison today, if you have an emotional or a physical or relational prison today, I want to encourage you from the text that we've been reading and from the life of Paul and the book of Ephesians, which was written from a prison cell, that God wants to bring comfort into your circumstances. He also wants to provide you with hope. It says that, that, this, that when Jesus came and stood near to Paul himself, he said, take courage. You're going to testify to me in Jerusalem. Just as you have done in Jerusalem, you're also going to do it in Rome. Now, Paul was a visionary man. We know that. He's the most influential person of the Christian faith other than, than Jesus himself. He, he has influenced us in so many ways. Paul was, had a wild aspiration and a dream that God had placed in his heart, that he wouldn't just go to the easy cities and stand before them and testify to the love of God, but he would also go to the, one of the most influential cities of his day, which was Rome, and he would stand there and proclaim who God was and his marvelous plan of salvation. Now, in these circumstances where Paul found him in that prison there, that dark, horrible prison, at, in the dead of night, God had a plan to rescue him out of that prison. And it says that there were uh, two centurions and 200 soldiers that God sent to this prison to rescue in the dead of night and take Paul out of these circumstances. And he was taken from there, which, was, which would have been unbelievable in the dead of night, a whole lot of work on behalf of these people just to rescue him from that prison. And he was taken and rescued. But do you know what the revelation that God put in my heart over this last week? He was taken from that prison and placed into another prison. Whether Paul's life was charmed or challenged, he found God in all these circumstances of life. And from another prison, 
he wrote the letters to Ephesians, which has encouraged the church forever, and the letters to, of Colossians and Philemon. Out of prison circumstances, letters from the inside came out. The third thing, other than um, being comforted and finding hope, and I hope that this will encourage your heart, is that in his circumstances, not outside of them, he continued to fulfill the calling of God on his life. He was fruitful despite the prisons God had allowed around his life. I want to take a moment to reflect. Does your life always make sense? Can you comfortably put into little boxes when you've got challenging circumstances around you? Are they? Can you just quickly pop it into a box and say, well, tick for that one and tick for that one and tick for that one? My life's not like that. And I ask a number of people who I think have studied the word of God and, and theology through the years, and that's one of the first things they bring up, that the modern mind is just so quick to try and find answers so that everything in their life makes sense, instead of accepting that some things God's allowing to stay the same because he wants us to find him in the middle of those circumstances. But not just for myself, but so it can be for others around me as well. And even, as radical as the thought may be, fulfill Ephesians 2 verse 10, which says he's got plans and purposes destined for my life that only I can do. Out of those prison circumstances and the confines of four walls. I had an amazing thing happen to me this week. I was in a consultation with a gentleman um, a very distinguished gentleman, and I was there. We were there to look at various things related to his cardiovascular health. I've seen this gentleman in his 80s a number of times, and I've grown particularly fond of him. I want to kind of tease out and relate to his life because our lives medically are never just there. It, it, it's that we're a package deal. And over the times I've found out, this gentleman, who may well have saved a number of your lives in reality, if I could say that lightly, he, he's been influential in many areas of health in the Hutt Valley, and as an 80-year-old, he may well have saved some of your lives. He's struggling. Life's a bit blah. He's flat emotionally. And part of the picture is he didn't think that life in the latter years of his life would turn out the way it is. He has a delightful wife who's at the end stages of a sinister disease that absorbs all his time just to lovingly care for her. I asked him if it was getting to the stage where she'd need to go into hospital and have specialised care. He said, no hospital would take my wife. It's too challenging. I will care for her as we get towards the end of a long, difficult circumstances of life. I don't know why, but suddenly in the middle of it, death came into the picture. I don't know if it was him or me. Surely, I think it was him. And I took the courage to say, do you know, through the centuries, and talking to my son, who's a bit of a theologian, he's been trying to retrain me that right from early youth and faith in God, the Christian 
people with Christian faith actually contemplated and thought about their death as much as they did about their life. It's part of life. It's part of the cycle. And they were much better prepared through the centuries to face the latter years of life because they had thought about what it might look like. And out of that random conversation, this lovely gentleman who who's facing some awfully challenging circumstances of life, said, where did your son train? I said, oh, down in this place in Dunedin, you know, a theological department that grew, you know, I said, and I started to talk. He said, oh, do you know Murray Ray? And um, do you know, um, and he started to tell me all these names, and then he told me why, because he's got a son who's, who's one of New Zealand's He's an exported now over to the States, but he is one of New Zealand's most um, influential theologians. And we had this amazing conversation. And he told me that his wife, who's at the end stages of a sinister disease, was actually a major part of the Anglican charismatic movement. So I talked about our church coming out of its roots of, of, of life in the spirit seminars and et cetera, et cetera. So... People struggle, but they can still find and be encouraged that just because life doesn't make sense, just because we can't put everything into a box, I encourage this lovely gentleman, or I'd like to continue to encourage him as I see him, that God is still there in the midst of his circumstances. Who's read most of or a lot of C.S. Lewis's books. Are many of you into C.S. Lewis? I am. Um, there's a new book that's just come out. And it's written by the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. I've just got a copy because Andre said we must get a copy. So we got one online. And it's actually called The Lion's World. And what Rowan Williams is doing is he's looking back through the work of C.S. Lewis and and the, the, the lion, Aslam, which is the picture of Jesus, and he's trying to just go through and add some themes to it. But one of the themes is that at stages in life, God can appear or Jesus can appear unfamiliar. A little bit like we're trying to find him, but we don't know where to find him. The children in the pictures of, of Narnia were initially frightened by this lion because he lived in a different world. He had a different perspective. They thought he would save them, and he got slaughtered and lay on that stone, dead, dead, dead. Life wasn't turning out the way they thought. But this book is just trying to bring us back into that context that, yes, there's times when life doesn't feel like it's going in the right direction, when it's challenging, when we feel like we're imprisoned and we're not making progress, but God has provided an answer. He's provided a way. The teaching of Jesus is out of all proportion to our natural way of looking at things, and it comes with astonishing discomfort to begin with. Our job is to slowly form our walk, listen to the words of Jesus and allow the Spirit of God to transform our lives. Could it be, I ask the question, could it be a rather radical mind shift that it's through and not despite 
but because of our circumstances where we feel like we're in prison, like Paul, surrounded by four walls, could it be that even in those circumstances, God has a plan and a purpose for us? Is it possible that each one of us, no matter what we're facing, can find the comfort of God, the hope of God, and even more importantly, continue to find where we fit in the bigger picture and what our part is? I want to finish on one thing. A radical redefining of the call of God. Do you know, for many, many years, we had a big emphasis in the 1970s and 80s in the charismatic movement on finding what our gifts were, what our talents were. And we'd go through those various charts and goodness knows what else, and then we'd come down and we'd find, oh, well, I'm, I am a this or I am a that. I'm an exhorter or a teacher or mercy ministries or whatever. Um, and we had a real focus on those things. And I think they are important and business still uses them today. But I want to go back to the fact that it's not about what we do, but who we are in God. And I believe that the call of God on each of our lives is simply, very simply, to know him. It's simply to know God. To know what his character and his nature is. In in Jeremiah 9, verse 24, it says, look, if you're going to go around in life being, um, oh, I don't know, I can't find the right word, but if you're going to go around in life sort of wanting to say that you've nailed life, don't look at what you do, but look at whether you know me. That is what I want you to know. I want you to be able to express to others that in the circumstances of your life, you know that God is a loving God, that you've actually walked your journey with him. And I want to encourage anybody that's walking on the edge rather than with God, that you need to come back into that journey with God in your circumstances because the call of God on my life is that I will be able to interpret who he is so that I can reflect that to people around me. The expression of that call, and this came to me in the middle of one night, that the call of God is to know him, and the expression of that call is what we do for him, how we're wired. Do you know, we we mentioned a little bit about um, last week about um, Isaiah hearing the call of God and putting his hand up and saying, choose me, pick me. You know, Um, Isaiah was a prophet, so the way he interpreted that call was to be prophetic. Paul was a teacher and a writer, and the way he interpreted that expression was more in regard to being a teacher. So going back to our questions, what causes some people to fulfill their God-given potential and others to dance around the edges? What stops dreamers dreaming and hopers hoping and visionaries no longer have visions? I identified two things. One is a loss of confidence in the love of God. It's a bit like spiritual insomnia, where we've lost the confidence in sleep. And the other one is that we've failed to get lost in a bigger picture, greater and bigger than ourselves. I have a third one to that, which will come somewhere further down the year. Another one is that we need our gift to each other as being our authentic self. 
So a loss of confidence in the love of God, putting our roots down deep, failing to get lost in the bigger story, and I'll follow the thread later on, is failing to be our authentic selves. You have been made particularly unique for a purpose that God has. Don't try and be somebody else. I want to finish with a prayer. I want to pray for two things. I want to pray for people who who have spiritual insomnia and have lost that confidence in God because it impacts not only your life but the lives of those around you. And I want to pray for those who are in prisons, who are prison prison dwellers at this time, confined by restrictions and limitations that you've seen in a negative way and God wants to turn even your loneliness and your isolation into something where you can find him, find hope, and even more radically still continue to fulfill the call of God on your life. I'm going to get the worship team to come up and just do one more song. And I don't know whether I pray for you as a group or whether you come and as a leadership we pray for you. Um, I don't know if one of the other leaders has got a bit of a feeling as to which way to go. I'm happy to pray for you just as a group or have you come here. When I was, as the music group come, I just wanted to say something to Janneke. Janneke, the message of limitations and when loneliness is your only companion, you have found the comfort of God. You know that for personal experience. That in the times limited by all sorts of things as you've got older, the testimony to each one of us is that even in the loneliness you've found the companionship of God. And I pray that as you continue, as you've bounced back from something quite quite life-threatening really, and you're still amongst us today, and you're not yellow, you're actually pink, that God has still planned for you a season of fruitfulness that no matter what your limitations are, he's a faithful God. Mel, I can't see you. Where's Mel? Pop your hand up. Is she here? Did she? Okay, I'll pass that word on to her at another stage. So as the worship team just, um, just lead us in worship, if you fit either of those characters, um, characteristics and you want some prayer today I would just encourage you you can stand where you are and and just reach out to God there's no magic formula in coming forward it doesn't take your problems away it doesn't transform you so that when you walk out of there it's no longer an issue so I'm happy to pray for people and I know the leadership are and if that's what you feel that God is calling you to come forward so that you can move on And you can, just like with spiritual insomnia, you can start to build into your lives. As I said, it's not an instant prayer. You need to build into your lives the Word of God and some change and shift and look at what it means to be spiritually healthy. So instead of looking at other people who are spiritually healthy, you're challenging yourself and saying, God, what have I lost? Do I read your Word? Am I deep in your Word? Am I fellowshipping with my other brothers and sisters? If that's you, I'm happy to pray for you. But I tell you what, your work's when you leave that door, not now. And I'd love to pray for you that God will direct you 
and also for those who are confined by prisons, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or relational prisons. I want to encourage you to believe God and maybe come forward for prayer that you will be able to find in this community, through God, the comfort of God, the hope of God, and even more excitedly, I'd like to see you dance out those doors knowing that despite the confines of these four walls, I am determined to see the purposes of God fulfilled through my life. Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians out of a prison, and I just encourage you that your life can be fruitful too.